Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. As of August 2nd, we have resumed in-person worship services on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are committed to the health and safety of our families and will continue to offer our simultaneous live stream at youtube.com slash area 10 faith community. We hope you'll join us at the Bird Theater again soon, but in the meantime, we're providing the best possible online experience we can for you. Now, on to this week's message. Good morning. Happy Father's Day to our fathers uh, out there. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. My name is Tom Scott. I am uh, one of the elders here. Uh, Part of our staff is getting a much-needed break uh, today. Other members of our staff are in Eurasia. They're traveling and visiting uh, missionaries, so they went deep into the bench, and here I am. So I, I hope and pray that something that is said will uh, work in your life, something, something will uh, touch your heart in some way as you leave here today, that the Lord will begin doing a change within each of our hearts. You know, there was a, uh, a quote that perhaps you've heard before, maybe you're familiar with it. It comes from uh, Stephen Covey, who was actually a father of nine children. And if you're familiar with this, here's what it says. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Isn't that so true in every area of life? Whether that's business or personal or relationships, whatever it might be, focus matters, doesn't it? What we prioritize as being the number one thing in our life is going to make a difference about the quality of how we go about carrying out what we do on a day in and day out basis. And so this morning, I want to take just a couple of minutes to talk to you about the main thing in our relational worlds. But before I do, I want to reorient us to what we've been talking about. Uh, If you're here for the very first time or you're just watching us online uh, for the first time, we've been working our way through this journey through the book of 1 Corinthians. We started this just shortly after Easter and we'll be going through this biblical book throughout the remainder of the year. So it's something that we as a church will become very familiar with as we go through the book of 1 Corinthians. And so today what I'd like to do is I would like to talk to you about three different things. We're going to start out, and I'll help to to give you a perspective on all of 1 Corinthians. We're going to call this the Christian's Dilemma. And then we're going to go to the main thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We'll call that the Christian solution, and then I'm going to issue you a challenge, all right? So if you're okay with that, let me get going, and let's start talking about the Christian's dilemma in the book of 1 Corinthians. There's a cliche that you may have heard, uh, and it goes like this. It says, everything worth doing is worth doing poorly the first time. Have you guys ever heard that before? Uh, Now, I know those of us who are perfectionists, we don't like that, do we? I mean, we like to think that we can immediately start to do things with perfection, but that's just simply not the case. I'm in my third career now professionally, and I want you to know that as I've gotten started in each new profession, you know, getting started can get a little bit rough because you're not always so good at all the different processes and all of the different things and routines that people want you to do. Think about it for just a moment. Think about a baby. Think about when you were a baby. Somebody propped you up on your feet, and they were all 
giggly and smiley because they wanted you to walk. And so they propped you up on your feet and you took a couple of Frankenstein steps and what did you do? You fell right down, right? Uh, my wife and I uh, taught all three of our children uh, to drive. We, we paid for driver's ed classes. Uh, we did the behind the wheel permit type of thing. Uh, we tried to do our due diligence in providing them with the training that they would need in order to be good drivers once we set them off and on their own. We even bought great big indestructible vehicles so that when they got out on the roads, there would be less chances of them getting hurt. But I just want to share with you that within the first year, all three of my children were in minor fender bender accidents. And so in that season of our lives, we spent a lot of time on weekends going to driver improvement classes. I could almost teach the class myself. That's how familiar we got. But you know, everything worth doing so often is worth doing poorly the first time. And when we come here to the book of 1 Corinthians, we can see these newly baptized people. I mean, these people, I believe, were genuine in their desire to follow Jesus. They wanted to know God, and they wanted to enter into a relationship with him. But when you read through the book of 1 Corinthians, you can't help but to notice these people were just simply not good at being Christians. Uh, one example of that would be, uh, you know that here that the early Christians didn't have church buildings, they didn't have structures like this in which they met, they would meet in each other's homes, uh, they would worship together, they would have Sunday potluck uh, together. But here in 1 Corinthians, this particular church, on Monday morning, they were dragging one another to court and suing one another. Now, if you ask me, that's not a very good example of somebody who wanted to follow the example of Jesus. You know, these people were confessing and they were being uh, baptized and repenting of their sins. And I believe that they were taking diligent notes and they were trying to learn the Christian way. And yet they would fall right into acts of sexual immorality. In fact, there was one person in the church who was even sleeping with his stepmother. I mean, this was a toxic situation. This was a church that had a very difficult time figuring out what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And so this was a dilemma. And it was in the midst of this and these struggles and these challenges with trying to align their faith with their personal relationships that some of the questions that we've been dealing with over these last two weeks about marriage, about sex, about singlehood, were now all starting to come up and being presented before the Apostle Paul who was trying to mentor this church so that they would know what it was like to be a Christ follower as they went about living their daily lives. And so, you know, the last couple of weeks, uh, two weeks ago, uh, Topher and Leanne were up here. And if you were here, didn't they just do a tremendous job of that message? Uh, it, was, it was on sex and marriage, and I want you to know that unless you were to ever try that, of getting up on a stage and talking to people about sex and marriage, this is no easy task. And so they did a tremendous job back on June 8th. If you have the opportunity, please go back, listen to that message. It is well worth your time. Uh, last Sunday, Topher spoke on uh, singlehood, and I thought, again, he just did a tremendous job in ministering uh, to, to the singles. 
of our church. But, you know, as we, as we come here and we see the dilemma that these early Christians had, they started to ask questions. They started to ask questions about marriage. And so we saw early on in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, right around uh, verse number 1, they asked Paul, if we're married and we're Christians, would it be better if we stopped having sex? And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, he says, absolutely not. Can't you just see the men in that church just kind of wiping their brow and saying, I'm thankful for that answer. They also asked, if, if we're married and we're Christians, would it be better off if we became single? And again, Paul said, no, absolutely not. They, they came to Paul and they said, well, if, if we're single, would it be better if we were married? And again, Paul said, no. And so we can see that Paul is really setting the pace and really writing a rather revolutionary uh, couple of, of verses here about the role of marriage and about Christianity and about personal relationships and singlehood. Nothing had really been written this extensively about those particular topics and you can just see the struggle and the dilemma that they had in aligning their professed faith and what they were striving to be as far as good, faithful Christians and trying to take their personal relationships and to allow their faith to impact their marriages and to impact their families, to impact them as singlehood and what it is that all of this meant as they tried to blend together their faith and their relationships. And so that was the dilemma that they experienced. And, you know, that's the dilemma that so many of us experience today too, don't we? You know, how, how does our faith impact how we go about living our lives, especially within our homes, especially within our relationships, within our dating relationships, whatever might be your situation? How do we bring our Christianity along and allow these two critically important areas to come together? And so this struggle has been in existence since biblical times, and it continues to be a struggle today. And we, we have seen it here in the book of 1 Corinthians, where these people had such a struggle with this area of their lives. And thankfully, as we come back to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we can see how Paul offers them what I call to be the Christian solution or what we'll see as being the main thing. Remember how we started this message here this morning? The main thing is to keep the main thing, the what? The main thing. And we can see how Paul does this here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And so we're going to look at verse number uh, 18. If you have your app open and you want to go to the notes section, there is a notes section uh, for our message each and every week. Uh, we'll also have it, have it here on the screen. So here's what 1 Corinthians 7 and verse number 18 uh, says as we look at the main thing as we get to the solution that Paul helps to offer these struggling believers. He says, Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of the, his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. Now, we're going to stop right there, and you're wondering, what is this about? I mean, in today's culture, we don't think much about this topic, do we? But in those days, 
this was a battle. And I don't want us to get distracted because, you know, we've been talking about marriage. We've been talking about singlehood. Uh, there was even the topic of divorce. If we're married to an unbeliever, now all of a sudden it seems to come out of nowhere where Paul introduces this idea of circumcision. What is this about? It seems like he's taking a detour, taking us somewhere else on this journey of trying to understand what the Christian faith is all about. Let's not get distracted. This was obviously a, a Jewish religious uh, um, thing. This was something that was very understood and very much a battle that they confronted today. But for us today, it may not be something that we even think much about on a daily basis. But what I want you to hear and what I want you to understand about this section here, starting in this particular verse, is that Paul is not taking us off of the overall theme. The topic may have changed, but the theme remains the same as he's been going through 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And that theme would be, would we be better off as Christians if we did this? And so we can see, would we be better off if we as Christians abstain from sex in marriage? Would we be better off if we got married, if we were single? Would we be better off if we got divorced, if we were married to unbelievers? Now today, it might sound like this. Would we be better off as Christians if we were to sell our possessions and give all of it away to the poor? Would we be better off if we were to leave our jobs and go onto some sort of mission field somewhere around the world? Would we be better off if we were to change our diets, if we were to stop eating meat, if we were to start to eat only vegetables? Would we be better off if we were to recycle everything and help to care for the environment? Would we be better off if we were to give our money to charities more than what we currently do? All of these are important topics. All of these are good considerations. None of these are bad questions. But none of these are the main thing. And that's what Paul is working these people to, these young Christians, the early believers. He's trying to walk them through to understanding what the main thing was in their relational worlds. And so let's look at our next verse. Let's look at verse number 19. Because here's what Paul says to, to these young believers. He says, For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision. Now let me just stop right there because we can replace those words, circumcision, uncircumcision. We can take the earlier topics that he was covering. We can use the word marriage here. Uh, for neither marriage nor singlehood accounts for anything. And we can go on to various topics that he had. But listen, now he hones in on and he comes to what that main thing is, the way that we started this message here this morning. But keeping the commandments of God. That's the main thing. We've been in all of these various topics talking about our relationships and would we be better off and how we can grow and keep in alignment our faith with what we profess. And Paul says, I want you to understand what that main thing is. That main thing is to keep the commandments of God. You know, 
in John chapter 14 and verse number 15, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You know, there's just something that we can see throughout the scripture where God brings together this sense of following him and obeying him and loving him and keeping his commandments. Now, when the scriptures talk about keeping his commandments, it's not talking about a robotic compliance to a list of religious do's and don'ts. I want you to understand that. This is not a legalism thing. This is not where we get into step with, you know, this expectation of living out certain uh, behaviors. It's much, much bigger than that. It's much broader than that. Keeping his commandments is placing our complete trust in God who always knows what's best and who always knows what's around the next corner. It's a trust thing. It's, it's not a robotic compliance. It's a matter of believing and trusting that God knows exactly what he's saying in every single situation. In 2015, uh, I lost my job after 15 years of being with the same company. It was a very, very difficult season. There was a lot of uncertainty. At first, I felt a bit of invigoration by the whole thing. You know, it's interesting that when we have jobs, it always looks much more interesting to try to find your next job. And you, you often think, at least I did when I had a job, man, this is going to be a piece of cake. This is going to be no struggle whatsoever. Now, when you're unemployed, you know just that there's a big difference, don't you? Uh, and so I started to go through and spend my time each and every day. Uh, sending out resumes, sending out cover letters, making calls, sending emails. I was doing everything that I could to try to find that next job, that next opportunity, but it just wasn't happening. It, it, just, it just was not moving forward for me. And so, you know, that uncertainty and that fear, how are we going to pay the bills, you know, all of that starts to grow and grow and grow within us. Well, then finally, an opportunity came up. And it seemed like such a great opportunity. And so I had several interviews, a couple of calls. It seemed like we were going to move into this situation. It was out of my field, but I was good with that. Like, it didn't matter to me. It seemed to be with a good company, with opportunities uh, to grow in the future. And so as we were starting to kind of finalize our uh, discussions about this job, uh, the interviewer said to me, now, we just want to make you aware of something to make sure that you're okay with this. We want you to know uh, that you'll be expected to work uh, on Sundays. Now, for me, that presented a bit of a problem. And I know for, for some of you, you have to work. Some of you who might be watching online, you're watching later on in the week because Sunday is a day in which you have to work. In order for you to put food on your table, Sunday is a day in which you have to work. But for me personally, I, I had this conviction, and, and I, I believed that God's word was, was saying to me not to forsake the assembling of myself together, like in Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, uh, we had a very strong commitment to our church. I was in leadership and uh, teaching every Sunday and helping that uh, congregation. And so this became a real struggle for me, because 
one part of me said, you've got to start getting a paycheck pretty quickly here. You, you've got to start helping out by paying uh, for the bills here. But then there was another side of me that said, wait a minute, there's a conviction because I, I believed wholeheartedly that I needed to be with my church family at, and on as many Sunday mornings as possible. And so there was this head and heart. Have you guys ever had that before? Where it's like this struggle between a deep conviction and something that you're sensing that God is saying to your spirit, and yet something else is telling you just move forward and just do what it is that you need to do on a practical level, that's where I was. Well, in this particular situation, I decided to go ahead and follow my conviction about what I believed that the Word of God was saying to me, and I decided not to take that job. Uh, Three months later, uh, I got into the job opportunity in which I'm uh, in today, and the Lord has just opened up incredible doors uh, for me, and I'm, and I'm thankful for the way in which God has worked. But, you know, it really started with really trusting God. Even though things were so uncertain, and I was kind of taking a step into the unknown by turning away a very good job opportunity that would help us to pay the bills based upon the strong conviction and faith that I had that I needed to be in worship with God's church. You know, it's a struggle. It can be a a battle. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus was uh, confronted and he was asked, uh, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? What a good question that is. I mean, Jesus was asked some pretty lousy questions, but that was one of the good ones in the Bible. Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus didn't miss a beat because this was something that he and his Jewish culture, they would say every single day, at least twice a day, it's called the Shema. And Jesus quotes in Mark chapter 12, he says, the Lord, the Lord, our God, our Lord is one. And he says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And what a wonderful verse that is for us to hear today. The main thing, the main priority That thing that God has calling each one of us who is here today, regardless of where you are on this Christian journey, you might be just starting out. You may not even yet have crossed the line of faith into this newly found relationship with Jesus. You may be an experienced believer. You may have been doing this for years. You may have been brought up in the church. The same main thing is true for every single one of us. The main thing that God wants from all of us followers is to keep his commandments, to love and to trust him, regardless of the struggles that we have in life, regardless of the challenges and the difficulties and the temptations and the questions and the doubts that we might have. The Lord is saying to keep the main thing, the main thing, 
keep my commandments by trusting in me and lovingly obeying me in every single situation and challenge that you have in life. So here's what I want to do as we close out this time. I want to issue you a challenge. All right? I want to invite all of us today or tomorrow to uh, schedule some time with God. You're allowed to do this, by the way. Go ahead and do this today or tomorrow. Um, Get your calendar out. And I want to challenge each of us to spend seven minutes with God. Now, I know that there are some of you who can do more than seven minutes, but I I want, at, at the minimum, I just want to challenge us as a church to set aside time for God, just seven minutes, and to ask God just a couple of questions, all right? So when I say set aside time with God, that means no. I'm encouraging you to leave your cell phone somewhere else, your tablet, your computer. For these seven minutes, let's just leave ESPN, the Food Network, let's just leave that aside for just a, just a couple of minutes. And we're going to come before God, and we're just gonna, it's just going to be us and God. And, and I want you to ask either out loud or write these out before God, these three questions or questions that are like this. All right, here's, here's one example of a question that you can ask in this seven, minute, seven minutes of time alone with God. What does it mean to love you, God, with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength? What, what does it mean, God? In other words, What are the implications of keeping you as the main thing in my life? What does it mean to love you wholeheartedly? All right, so there's one question. The second question, what areas in my life need to change in order to have a stronger relationship with you? What areas of my life need to change in order to have a stronger relationship with you? And then an example of a third question. In your seven minutes alone with God this next week is, how can I more selflessly serve others so that they experience your love through me? See, the main thing is that we grow in our love, that we keep God's commandments so we grow in our love for him. You see, this is a relationship. Christianity is not just another one of uh, uh, several world religions. Christianity is first and foremost a relationship with a man, and that man's name is Jesus. And the Bible tells us that this man, Jesus, came from heaven. He is the Son of God, and he was born in a manger. And he grew up, and he was eventually sentenced and crucified on a Roman cross where he shed his blood. He was buried, and on the third day, he rose from the grave, and he's still alive today in power. And it is with this man who walked this earth who made such an impact on our world today a man whom millions of people have professed their faith in, is the same one who is inviting and calling each one of us 
into a stronger, deeper, more fulfilling relationship with him on a day-in and day-out basis. Isn't that beautiful? He wants a relationship with you, and he wants a relationship with me, and, and he wants us to grow in this, and he invites us, and he draws us, and he calls us into this depth of relationship with him. So right now, I want to just lift up a prayer for you, if I could, and I, I just want to call on the Lord that he might walk with you as you remember what the main thing is, and that's him to keep his commandments by loving and trusting him this next week. And so, Lord, I just want to thank you for each person who's here today. I want to thank you, Father, that it's not by accident that you invited us all here, that we're able to hear your word opened up to us. And God, we have to admit there are struggles that we have. There are challenges that we have, just like these people in the early days of Christianity just wrestled with so many battles and so many challenges that they had, Father, we're the same way. It's so difficult to align our faith and what we profess with our Christian beliefs and to walk with you on a consistent basis. But Lord, I just want to pray that you would renew each person with strength. I want to pray that your spirit would empower us and help us, Lord God to do that better and better each day as you help us and strengthen us. Lord, we want to thank you that you draw us into relationship, that Christianity is first and foremost about a relationship with a man by the name of Jesus. Help us, Lord. We need your help, Lord. We need the ability to walk more closely with Christ each and every day. For it's in his name that I pray. Amen.